Welcome to the Campfire Conversation. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Summer camp is an amazing experience for campers and staff members alike. At summer camp, our kids get to learn and grow and connect in ways they rarely enjoy during the rest of the year. This podcast is all about taking the unique knowledge and experience of summer camp, the summer camp professionals, the people who work in it, the people who work around it, and figuring out how to apply all that knowledge to the world away from camp. Today, we have a special guest leading the conversation, my great friend and assistant camp director, Dana Stassen. Hi, I'm Dana Stassen, and I'm back this week guest hosting this episode of Campfire Conversations. Again, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to connect with all of our listeners virtually and to introduce you to some of the wonderful people I'm learning from lately. A few months ago, I had the privilege of volunteering my time with my sorority, Alpha Chi Omega, at Leadership Academy in Indianapolis. During this weekend of training, facilitators like myself work with collegiate women who will be stepping into leadership roles within the organization at their own universities. So in addition to studying for classes, working jobs, being kids themselves, they're also leading large groups of others on college campuses. Naturally, AKO uses this weekend of Leadership Academy to give these women tools they'll need to be successful juggling all of these roles. I'm sure many of us can relate back home to all of the different hats that we wear and all of the different roles that we're juggling additionally. In addition to providing breakout sessions for the collegiate women, they also get to listen to some phenomenal keynote speakers. This year, our closing speaker was Lindsay Bacardo. For nearly a decade, Lindsay has been coaching, researching, and developing programs for millennials. She loves working with young talent and the organizations that employ them. Lindsay is the creator of Unleash My Career, an online course that has trained hundreds of talented leaders on the process of designing a career that they love. Lindsay earned a degree in psychology and public communication from Syracuse University and a professional coaching certification through the International Coach Federation. In her work, Lindsay has partnered with organizations such as Cars.com, Patichu Incorporated, and the Indiana Supreme Court. And she works frequently with both college campuses and companies of all sizes to enhance their millennial culture. By providing education and training through one-on-one programs, group training, and keynote speeches around the country, Lindsay empowers young employees to feel more prepared as they enter the workforce and helps them develop into the top talent in their organization. So Lindsay, a self-proclaimed high achiever and millennial expert, shared with us how to be high achieving minus the burnout piece. For us, parents, people who work in the camping industry, people who work with teens and college age students, burnout is so real. We so often see young people who are just fried trying to keep up with the demands of school, social media, societal expectations, this need to seek purpose in every single thing that they do, and some, many even, lack the ability to just be. Today, Lindsay and I talk about this impact and how attitude and perception are connected. We discuss how a shift in our attitudes can help us all achieve what we set out to achieve in a way that is healthy and productive, and that starts with how the adults in the lives of young people model that for them. I think this episode is particularly timely due to the new normal we are currently experiencing. There are lots of additional stressors, many uncertainties and unknowns that are piling onto our already full emotional and mental loads. While I'm at home adjusting to working with a five-year-old and a three-year-old underfoot with the help of my wonderful and capable husband, I imagine many of you are out there doing the same. I imagine that many of our children are worried about what comes next, and I'm certain that many of us adults are worried about the same things too. I hope there are some tips in this episode that help us all take a collective deep breath, 
find the balance between being productive and being joyful and find some new ways to see the opportunities that are often tied to stressful moments. So please join us around the campfire, pull up a stump, grab a stick for your marshmallow, and let's take a few minutes to listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Campfire Conversations. This week, um, I'm Dana Stass, and I'm the guest host, again, filling in for our director, Cole Kelly, and I have the distinct pleasure of chatting with Lindsay Bucardo today. Um, She's super, super awesome. She's going to tell you a little bit about herself in just a second, Um, but I had the pleasure of seeing Lindsay speak at Leadership Academy for Alpha Chi Omega she had a ton of amazing things to say about high achieving leaders, um, learners, and burnout. And um, I learned a lot about her in her session. And at the end of her session, she was super, super brave and posted all of her contact information and just gave an invitation basically to the audience to reach out and connect with her. And um, I, I had chosen for this year, my, my word for growth would be to connect. And so I was like, here's an amazing opportunity to kind of put myself out there and see what happens. And so I texted Lindsay immediately. She didn't think I was a crazy person. And she texted me back when <laughs> for her. And now here we are a few weeks later um, chatting here around the campfire. Um, and so I'm just going to let Lindsay go ahead. If you want to go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you do, and, um, you know, maybe why uh, you and I are chatting today. Sure. Well, I'm so glad I get to be a part of this, Dana. This is exciting. Um, I'm a generational consultant, which means that I work with millennials and typically boomers, sometimes Gen Zers, sometimes Gen Xers, to help them understand how to build a career that they're excited about. So inside of organizations, oftentimes this generational tension is really strong right now. And because people grew up and had different experiences in their childhood, they expect something wildly different from work, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. includes millennials who tend to be super high achieving. We're the most educated generation in U.S. history. It's common that we want way more out of work. We want to juice our entire life as much as possible to make the most of our days here on earth. And so oftentimes I see millennials get stuck in high achiever land where they're overshooting, they're feeling burned out. The pace of real real life after college is so different that we're running at a cliff that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. I also think that high achievers tend to be trained to say yes to everyone, to give them all they've got all the time, and that's not sustainable in adulthood either. And so I I get to spend a lot of time on college campuses with sorority women and um, with young employees who are trying to figure out how do I take care of myself and create this robust, exciting life uh, where I make the most of my days. And so that's how we got connected. That's why a lot of sororities and um, women's fraternities come and ask me to speak because, you know, if you're going to be involved in extracurricular activities on campus, it's usually because you're looking for meaning, you're looking for connection, you're looking for leadership opportunities. And so this conversation about high achieve land ends up being really important. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and you're absolutely right. And I think um, for a lot of our, a lot of our listeners, I'll just tell you a little bit about our audience. A lot of our listeners tend to be um, parents, people who are working in the camp industry are thinking about working in the camp industry, but really it's more about um, parents who are trying to learn some skills and tactics to make sure that they are preparing their, their kids for the real world. And we try to take elements from camp, things that we've seen be really successful in our 
you know, somewhat controlled environment of sleepaway camp um, and try to help translate some of that magic to the real world and give parents and adults and just people who work with children and young adults some tips and tools on how to help them be successful contributing members of society. And you're absolutely right when you mention this idea of high achieving learners and burnout and this idea of seeking purpose in everything that we do. Um, and, you know, you mentioned something during the conference that I saw about people not understanding and knowing how to relax or they think it's a waste of time um, because they should be doing sure, something, yeah. chasing some goal all of the time. And so if you, if you had to give a piece of advice or two to some parents who are seeing their kids like on the verge of this burnout here because everything seems to be so uh, success driven and um, purpose driven, what's something that you might say to them to help the parents kind of take a step back that they could articulate to their, their children to help them take a breath as well. Well, I think it's hard because parents of high achieving kids, you know, they, that's part of what, brings like the family pride you want your kids to be successful you want them to be the best I think there's a lot of shame in parenting around like your kids have to be hyper involved with everything or else you're doing something wrong Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a lot of pressure on parenthood especially today so I think for parents it's not necessarily about what you tell your kids but how you model for them that you're a human that needs rest that needs connection that needs um downtime as well I think if you can model that well it's more likely that your kids what you mean and so I find a lot of times you know it's like parents that are burning the candle at both ends they're burning themselves out your mm-hmm. kids only know what show them. the same so how do we start as parents showing like hey Saturday nights or Sunday nights we have family time we relax together as a family, we go in the hot tub together, or we go for a walk together, or we all have hammocks that we use together, but finding ways as a family to model for your kids what it means to unplug and relax is really important because that's what they're looking at. So, you know, if my kids always see me on email at seven o'clock to nine o'clock, they're learning that this is what life is. Mm. It's a grind. You don't get downtime. You eat dinner and you get right back to work. So if you were to just watch a video of your own life, what would you notice? What would you notice about your own behavior patterns around self-care, around taking a break? I know my parents, we were just talking about this yesterday, but my parents used to tell me to relax all the time. <laughs> They'd be like, Lindsay, go relax. You're not going to work tonight. You're not going to, like when I was in high school, I'd be like, you're not going to get a job on top of getting straight A's, on top of um, right. playing sports all the time. You know, if you get an academic scholarship, that's worth more than you having a part-time job. So it really taught me how to limit my exertion. I think it's really important. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And I, um, I'm so glad that you brought up the, the importance of parents modeling that for kids. Um, and it's always that, that idea of not do as I say, but they always do what you do. And so even if you're telling them, that's exactly you right. know, relax, take a load off, but they see you being this like super uptight, wound up person who's working around the clock, then that's what they see as their model. Um, and that's what they're going to follow. And I'm sure in the work that you've done, you've seen how, like the, I guess maybe there are some positives to that, right? But I'm sure that maybe the negative impacts maybe are a little bit greater. Um, what have you seen in your work with millennials and with people that are Gen Z and maybe even some boomers and how this is impacting 
you know, their lives in the workplace or like after they're graduating, like what's the impact you're seeing? Yellow around burnout and 60% of and 67% employees say they're always burned out or regularly burned out that, you know, you've got a, you've got a workplace where two thirds of your employees are exhausted mm-hmm. and don't really have the energy they need to be there. And it's, you know, we really do run people hard in our country, in the U.S. We, we run hard and we expect um, almost like robot-like behavior from our employees. And so I think giving room to take care of themselves, take a break, have actual education around self-care is so important. At any point in U.S. society, 20% of Americans are going through a serious issue that that um, would be helpful to involve a therapist. Interesting. With. That's okay. the so your emotional health at any point, twenty percent of Americans are their emotional health is really um, at risk. You could say. That's and so, so I think yeah. looking around, you know, looking around your office or the people you work with or your family and saying, "Man, one out of five of us is really hurting," and the more that we grind people and grind people into the ground, you might get your product in the short end. You might get what you need in the short end, but in the long term, you're really hurting human beings and you're in, in this machine that is wearing people out. And you think about, you spend all your waking hours, you spend more than half of your waking hours at work. Mm-hmm. And so if you're feeling taken advantage of, if you're not being looked at as a full human being, if you're not getting the rest, you need what is the point of all this right really what is the point right and so there i also challenge people about how much money they feel like they need to make if you know research shows that after you make between 50 and 70 grand basically once your basic needs are met sure you don't need to make more money you will not self-report any higher level of happiness if you're making 200 grand a year versus 70 grand a year so financial resources are really there in Maslow's words, they have your basic needs met. Mm-hmm. They have your food, shelter, water met. Money really does not buy happiness. It only buys happiness to the point where you can have stability. And so even asking a millennial or a boomer, it doesn't matter what generation you are, how much money do you need to make? Do you think you need to make a year to be happy? And it's, it's all- a really important question because if we're just working to pay off things right. enjoy, this is like a, a horrible cycle to be stuck in. Well, yeah, because it, I mean, it really becomes one of those things where there's no end in sight, right? Because it's like, okay, I've done this. Now I can go to the next level and I can achieve this next That's step right. and I can get more and get more and get more. And then by the, t- by the time you look back on it, you've had no time to enjoy any of it because you're just in that continual, you know, grind of g- achieving the next best thing. And, you know, I know from working in classrooms and working with adolescents and working with the college students who are um, employees at our camp, that there's just been, been this idea of, you know, developing grit and developing resilience and being able to bounce back um, when things don't go right. And I know sometimes when you're a high achiever, it can be really hard to kind of bounce back, um, you know, if there's failure or if you make a misstep or something doesn't go the way that you you have planned it. And so the other thing that we've been focusing on a lot with uh, the people that we work with and with our kids is this this idea of attitude being a choice. And I know that you've got some really interesting thoughts um, on attitude as well. Um, yeah. 
So when you think about attitude, what are kinds of the things, what are the components of that that you kind of, you think about when you think of the word attitude and how that impacts, you know, <laughs> us as in our daily lives as humans? Yeah, attitude is a pervasive cycle. It's a lens that we drop down that we see most of the world through. And those cycles and those pervasive lenses, they don't happen overnight. <clears throat> they happen over a lifetime. So all your experiences to this date have created for you a perception of how you think the world runs. Mm -hmm. Some of us think that the world is against us. Some of us think I am the victim to the most of the things that happen into my, happening to my life, happening in my life. Some of us think that we have to fight to get what we want. Like mm -hmm. I've got to grin, like you were saying, I've got to build more grit. I've got to try harder. I've got to push harder to get what I want. Some people believe that, you know, we are here to care for each other and, and actually cooperate and create a life where we all have a better experience. And so you can see that. I bet as I'm even giving those descriptions, you can think of people that you yes. know that <laughs> fall into those different categories. And so our attitude is a pervasive way of seeing the world. And it's built by a, a process. So first you have your thoughts. Your thoughts, we use every day, we use our thoughts to create our reality. So when I was up this morning, I knew I was going to have to drive a couple hours to do a speaking event. Now I could, in my mind, with my mm -hmm. thoughts go, oh, what a grind. I hate driving. It's the worst. Like it's raining out. This weather sucks. And now I got to go do the same talk I've done literally 300 right. times for a group <laughs> right. of people over a lunch when they really just care that they're getting chicken salad. Like this is my life now. I could totally right. run that mentality. Mm -hmm. Or I could say, it's Monday. I get to do what I love. My videographer is with me today, Kevin. We always have a blast when we get to um, tour together and, you know, talk to people from all different areas of the U.S. This is, I'm lucky to get to do this work. Now, if you hear those, that's like A-B. Let's do an A-B test. Sure. When our thoughts stir up like that, it naturally creates a cascade of emotions for us. So, and you would even, I mean, you know, it's because you're a human being. If we did A, the version A, the first version, how do you feel when you hear that whole thing? Right. Just completely run down, just not excited. Uh, Want to get back in my bed and just say, what's the point? Exactly. <laughs> and you went to the next step, which is so good. Our emotions lead to our behavior. If we feel mm -hmm. overwhelmed, drained, and, and we're saying like, this is going to suck. My thoughts tell me this is going to suck. I'm going to feel the natural hormones that come with that thought pattern. And then I'm going to do exactly what you said. I'm going to get back in bed. Yep. <laughs> so our thoughts lead to our emotions, which lead to our behavior every time. That's just how we work as humans. Now, if instead I change my thoughts to the second round that we just talked about, like I get to be with Kevin all day, we're going on a road trip, it's fun. And then um, what natural feelings come up for you as you hear me describe that? Well, I mean, I'm really happy because I get to connect with someone who I spend, like, who I enjoy spending time with. I yep. am thinking about getting to do something that I love with me with maybe like you said before, this is something that I've done a bunch of times before, but in a place where these people have not heard me speak before. So I'm going to bring some new and fun energy to that. Um, and so, That's I, right. yeah, I think I just, I, I can feel the shift in perspective on that one when I'm looking for the things to be happy and that I'm choosing to do this. Like I, it's my choice to go and present in front of these people. Like sure. I've been asked to do it, but I chose to say yes and so I'm going to, right. to honor that I'm choosing to spend my time this way and that I'm not um, being forced into doing this. Like if it were a nine to five that I have to do um, because that's just that's what my right. life is. Yep. 
So then we end up getting up, being mm-hmm. happy, taking a shower, feeling good, taking time to put my eyeliner on and feel really good about That's it. Right. right. So right. I feel good and enjoy. I'm, I get to enjoy the moment. And so some of the grind and some of the overwhelm and some of the stress that we experience is because of our attitude. Mm-hmm. We are creating it from yes. nothing. Yes. We're choosing we're choosing to be, have a lens down, a set of glasses that we look through that says, life is against me, life is hard. And then that's exactly, your body mirrors your thoughts. Mm-hmm. It reveals what you actually think. And you, then you feel exhausted and tired and worn down. And then you avoid. And you don't want to go do things. That's, that is so, so true. And I think, um, you know, for us in particular, we always say, uh, one of the things that we say often at camp is that we don't really have control over hardly any control really over anything that happens to us but we do get to choose how we react to things and our attitude 100%. you know our attitude is an active choice we actively get to decide how we're going to feel and you know that's not to say that every single opportunity that presents itself is going to be rainbows and sunshine or going to be the best day ever but we get to choose you know how we respond and what energy we're putting out there into the universe and so in those moments, so Lindsay, when, you know, you're trying your darndest to, to choose your attitude and say, these are the reasons why I'm doing this. This is going to be great. If that's not enough to kind of pull yourself out of the suck, you know, what are some tips or strategies yeah. that you have for the, for the people that you get to work with to get them through those moments where choosing to put that smile on your face maybe isn't enough? Yeah, that's a really good really good point because there's nothing worse than when you're in a bad mood and somebody's like, Hey, right. smile. Right. I'm like, you're I'm like, gonna punch uh, you in the yes, exactly. Then I'm going to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's not about like jamming it and making it work. It is about that choice before you're really stuck. But if you do find yourself stuck, like w- the cool thing is when you train yourself and your attitude, you don't get that far down the line where you're mm-hmm. really, really stuck. You, you nip it before you're starting to feel really heavy. Right. Yep. But if you do find yourself feeling really heavy, there's a couple things that are helpful. The first one, and this is going to sound totally counterintuitive, is to accept where you're at. I feel low. Mm -hmm. I feel bad. I am tired. This is draining. I really am feeling like I don't want to get out of bed. I'm avoidant. I don't want to go do this thing. Okay. The moment that you're able to accept that that's where you're at, because we are all going to get to that, but we all have moments like that. Just yesterday, last night, somebody asked something of me and it was too much. A friend asked for a favor that was like, I'm going to have to change my whole night to help you with this favor. Yep. And I got all worked up and frustrated, right? And then I'd be like, what am I really frustrated about? Okay, it's okay. I'm okay. It's okay to be frustrated. Clearly, this is somehow crossing an internal boundary for me. It's making me angry. Mm. And then I could actually move through it. But accepting where you're at in the moment is part of the process. And so first accepting it, And then asking yourself, what will help me just a little bit? Maybe it's getting a glass of water and just standing there and drinking a glass of water. My doctor taught me that, actually. She's like, you know, when you're overwhelmed, just drink a glass of water. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's not easy. But we can start to shift our biology if we do that. So if I'm really in a funk and I'm I'm having trouble overcoming it, I'm going to accept it and then I'm going to love myself out of it. I'm not going to shove myself out of it. I'm going to spend some time loving myself. So for me... Oftentimes, that's a biology thing. That's me okay. getting some water. That's me getting some food that feel, makes me feel better. That's also me stretching and getting some movement and exercise. When you change your biology, you shortcut that 
thoughts lead to emotions leads to behavior process because you can imagine if you move, you start moving, you get endorphins going, all of a sudden life doesn't seem so hard. If I get stuck, sometimes I get stuck at work, like how am I going to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. How am I going to rewrite this story as a speaker? Uh, I'll say, I'm just going to go for a walk, let my brain do the work, get some blood flow. So after you accept, if you're in the muck, you can accept it and then lovingly start to shift your biology in a way that you find helpful. Those two things make a huge difference. And you'll see that your mood typically starts to lift unless you're really, you know, unless you're really, really in a heavy spot. Yeah, I think, I mean, you said a lot of things and I just want to make sure I I capture the gist of what you said. And um, what you said first was, you know, the power of naming emotions. And this is something that I've been, I have a five-year-old son and this is something that I've been working really, really hard uh, with him, even at this early age. Get a feelings wheel out. Yeah, yes, is being able to say like, you know, instead of throwing the toy across the room or grunting or whatever, being able to articulate, I feel frustrated right now, I'm really angry right now, or I'm tired, or I'm upset. And I think as, you know, adolescents, as adults, like if you can take two seconds to articulate the emotion that you're feeling and maybe, you know, some factors into that, even I think just sometimes saying it out loud is enough of a release sometimes and enough of, okay, this is why I'm feeling this way. And then the next thing that you said was, you know, what's going to help me get through this and knowing yourself well enough. Like, I think you have to have a bit of self-awareness for what helps me in the situation. And we always, before we have some difficult conversations is first are my basic needs. Have they been met? Like, did I get enough sleep last night? If not, what can I do about that? Can, you know, can I get a cold glass of water? Can I have an apple? Do I need to get a cup of coffee? What do I need to do before I move into this next phase? And so making sure that those basic needs are being met. And then sometimes, um, and what I really love that you said is love myself out of it is giving yourself you know, honoring yourself and honoring those emotions that you're feeling to say, you know what, I need a little bit of self-care right now. I'm not going to, you know, allow myself to crawl under the covers all day, but maybe I do need 30 more seconds under the covers before I attack this problem. And that's okay too. And then changing your environment. I think that there's such a mental shift that happens if you go from, you know, sitting at your laptop, hunched over, trying to solve a problem, working on a paper, you know, cramming over books or studying or whatever, and then just stepping outside for 30 seconds and looking at a tree, you know, shifting your perspective just a little bit, it changes, um, it changes so much. And it really does have a profound impact on attitude. And so with your thoughts on attitude and your thoughts on, you know, high achieving learners and burnout, what are some of the connections that you make for people, um, you know, in this idea of I've chosen this attitude of being a high achiever, I'm experiencing a yeah. little burnout and I need to change my self-talk around that. Like, what are some thoughts you have yep. about that? I think um, I've only met one high achiever so far that's actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Could you, that? you cut out for a second. Yeah, I've only met one high achiever to date that is actually kind to themselves in their internal dialogue. This is a transition where instead of using fear and anxiety to poke you and prong you and get you to work harder, you actually have to be kind to yourself. It doesn't mean that you can't have high expectations. It doesn't mean that you can't want yourself to perform at the top of your class. It simply means that when things don't go well, or in your day-to-day life even, that you're choosing to think like this. How can I take better care of myself today? 
how do I pay attention to my body, my emotions? How am I going to take care of me? And then when I don't meet my own expectations, how do I meet myself with compassion, <laughs> kindness, and right. understanding? If you were to pull aside, and we talk about this, and I think we did that day when we were together, mm-hmm. an Olympic athlete, you know, mm-hmm. and I think about Olympic athletes a lot because they're at the top of their game in the world. And the Olympics is coming back this summer, which is exciting. Uh, but, you know, when they don't have a run that they like, they probably have two things go through their head. Like, I know what I need to do better. <clears throat> I got it. And how am I going to take care of my body so I can do this again? Hmm. And really, like, I'm doing the best I can. I can go home. Most Olympians, if you listen to their, um, I like to listen to the people that lose, which is so weird. <laughs> right. But I no. like to listen to people that lose. And they usually have a pattern of self-talk that they've developed where they say, hey, we came out, we did our best. I'm proud that I got to represent my country. And I'm going to go back. We're going to fix the things that didn't go well. And I'll see you in four years. Hmm. That's how a champion talks. I don't see him getting on the mic going, you know what? I should have never done this to begin yep. with. <laughs> right. I feel like such an idiot for coming to the Olympics and trying to do something good. I am never going to make anything in my life. I think I'm going to just quit all this. Thank you very much. Good night. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? <laughs> That's not how a champion talks. Right. You're right. So I think one of the best, and I still do this to this day. I have to do it every day. It doesn't stop. But taking time every day to audit your tone of voice to yourself mm. and to make sure that the tone that you're using with yourself is kind. That you're not kicking your ass like, come on, get moving. Oops, sorry, I swore. No, you're good. You're Should totally good. Out? No, you're okay. totally good. <laughs> sorry, parents. Don't let your kids listen. Okay. <laughs> you know, but if you're constantly revving yourself up and shoving yourself, you will burn out. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this a lot, being mindful of your energy, not your time, but your energy. Like today, Kev and I were on the road all day. We're going to do a talk. We're going to come back. At some point, we're going to make sure to eat, have some fluids. And then yep. when we go home, I know for me, I don't expect a ton out of myself tonight. I'm not like, and then when I get home, I'm going to hit the books and do yep. more. I'm going to be like, hey, when I get home, that's my day. And I'm not going to worry that my email is, I'll, I'll skim my email to see if there's anybody that really needs me. But mm-hmm. typically there's not. Typically it's me deleting emails from like restoration hardware. Sure. Yeah. So, you know what? Let's just, take a chill minute and make sure that I'm pacing myself and make sure that I'm managing my energy as a high achiever. And I'm not just thinking like, if I have the time, I got to do it. It's if I have the energy, I will do more than what's required of me. And so it it sounds like there's this, like this pretty, um, this underlying theme of, you know, self-awareness and self-reflection if you're going to be a high achiever who, who has a good attitude or has a, you know, positive self identity. And so it's, yeah. it sounds like you have to be able to take a step back and look at how you're spending your energy in, in your day. You know, is it doing the things that you are excited about doing? You know, some of it is going to be the things that you have to do, but what's your energy like surrounding those things? Um, what's your self talk yep. like? Like, how are you being kind to yourself? Like are the words that you're saying internally, would they be words that you would say out loud to your best friend? And if not, you probably should stop saying them because you should be your own That's best exactly friend right. first, right? And then, you know, having that self-awareness of, you know, have I taken care of myself? Am I putting my best self forward? Are there days when I need to reserve some of that energy so I can be the best version of myself and achieve what feels like happiness to me? And, and you mentioned earlier, 
having a very clear understanding of what that looks like. And it sounds like, you know, are my basic needs being met? And then my happiness, you know, is the icing on, on the top of that cake there. And so Lindsay, if you had to just, you know, boil down one or two things that you think parents can do today um, to maybe model this for their, their kids, especially parents of high schoolers or kids that are going into college or college students that they could do today to kind of start this as a trend in their homes. What, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say to model self-care for yourself, model boundaries for your kids. Hey, we're having an hour of quiet time. You can go do one, two, or three. You can do these three things but I'm, we're going to go, or I'm going to go to my room and I'm going to rest. We're all taking an hour to rest. Your kids will see how to pace themselves based on your behavior. Mm-hmm. I had a um, mentor who did this and she had young kids. She had, it was like a two, a five and a seven-year-old. And this was a normal routine. When the two-year-old went down for the nap, the five and the seven-year-old knew, oh, we're all taking an hour of quiet time. Yes. And mom's going to, you know, read a magazine or (laughs) go sit outside in the quiet. And she's not going to be asked questions for an hour. And your kids will do great at that. They are used to boundaries. They have boundaries at school. You know, they don't get to just do whatever they want. Right. They are used to being boundaried and having those um, kind of fences in their life. So they know what's expected of them and what's not. So if you can share that with your kids and model it for them, they'll start to see like, Oh, we take an hour of downtime a day. That's interesting. They will unconsciously bring that into their adult life and see like, I've got to pace myself through the day. I need quiet time. Okay. So as much as we can love ourselves as parents and know that, um, having boundaries for you will help your kids and help your relationship with them. It'll help you both live what, you know, an actual humane life together where you can take care of yourself and take care of other people. I think, um, you know, moms and dads too, but if you're taking care of other human beings, it is bone draining work. It is not easy (laughs) to raise kids. Um, I'm a step parent and I see this all the time. I used to have, I have dogs and I thought, and I know parents are going to roll their eyes. They're going to be like, having dogs is like, I used to be like, I can take care of dogs. I can take care of kids. They are totally different. Totally different. Kids will drain the marrow from your bones Mm -hmm. if you allow them to. (laughs) And so making sure that you are modeling boundaries and showing them too, like mom's tired. We're all going down for the count. That can be really helpful. If that's the one thing that a parent takes away from our talk, that they write themselves a permission slip to have a couple boundaries and help their kids learn what it means to um, have separation in a healthy way, it can make a huge difference. Yes, I think that is, that's so, so crucial, um, especially for, you know, our, our high achieving learners and that burnout piece is if my mom and dad are showing me that there is this, there's this appreciation for downtime then hopefully I'll internalize that and know that success is important, but so is taking care of myself. But I'm not going to find that out on my own until I, you know, I get to the point where I get to that burnout point where I'm like, this isn't sustainable. And so I start looking for other ways to unwind. But if as parents, we can start 
building that into our kids' schedules um, at the young age of two, like you mentioned with your friend. Um, as they get older, yeah. hopefully they'll be able to slot more time out for themselves and that'll impact their success and that'll impact their attitudes and how they perceive the world around them and perceive, you know, their contributions to it. And, you know, hopefully will just help us create humans on this earth that are high functioning um, and that are, you know, just good citizens and are taking care of themselves and taking care of the people around them. Um, so Lindsay, right. I, yeah. So thank you so, so very much for joining us around the campfire today. Uh, it looks like it's just about time to put the campfire out here. Um, but before we go, how can people find you, learn more about you or even hear you speak if they choose to? Yeah, you can um, jump over to my website. It's just my name, LindsayBicardo.com. Um, if you like LinkedIn and you find yourself on LinkedIn a lot, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So happy to connect there. We have videos that go out um, really regularly, several times a week that talk about issues just like this. So it's easy to find me. My last name is B-O-C-C-A-R-C-O. And uh, there's not a lot of us. So if you just Google my name, you'll see me real quick. That is fair. And so th thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your day while you're driving on your way to another speaking engagement uh, to chat with us and to share some amazing insights with us about high achieving learners and attitude and all of those great things. We are so, 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 so thankful for your time, Lindsay, and hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. Well, bye, Lindsay. I am so thankful that Lindsay was able to share some of her incredible thoughts with us while she was on the road to another engagement herself. Talk about dedication. Thinking about achievement and our attitudes toward it as something we can model for our young people really hit home for me, and I hope for you too, especially and particularly in these challenging times. I hope that our conversation will help you and the young people in your life. It's empowering to know that we can break the mold for our children and show them that it's okay to not be the best at everything and to come up with our own family models of success. Achievement, while important, means nothing if you're too burnt out or tired to enjoy it. I hope that you were able to take something away from our chat this week, and I hope to see you around the campfire another time. With lots of gratitude and a little bit of sparkle, this is Dana Stassen signing off. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting SCOPE. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support SCOPE.